in the dead of night, as people sleep, that is when the spirits creep. As the bell tolls three, dark things take power. We like to call it the supernatural hour. Welcome to the Supernatural Hour. I'm Raven. I'm Rogue. I'm Chad. And this is Doc. Hey, we have a special guest sitting in with us, Klaus. He's helping us with the sound and other things. Yeah, I sounded like crap the last two podcasts. I sounded tinny like I was sitting on the other side of the room. He fixed it. He made it better. Klaus fixes all. Thanks for your help. Thanks, Klaus. Klaus said you're welcome with that hand gesture. Oh, yeah, he's not mic'd in. That was the other thing. No, Mike. But he's not even smiling. <laughs> and he gave me a Pepsi, so I won't, like, choke and die. Not just a Pepsi. A cherry Pepsi. Mm-hmm. But he's drinking mango Pepsi, and I'm sorry, if you have not had the mango Pepsi, you gotta have it. It's amazing. I heard that that's the first new flavor they've brought out in, like, five years or something. So I love mangoes, and I love Pepsi, so you put them together, it's just a whole bunch of happiness. All right. So, Chad, give us the business. The business. Hey, we have just put up a new investigation at Union Square. It'll be on April 10th. Um, it's available on our advanced.paranormal.com main page. And if you go to the upcoming events page, it's also there. Just click and you can do it. It's going to be a lot of fun. And it's only been up two days and we're already about a third of the way sold out. So if you're thinking about it, don't wait too long because when you hop on, it could be gone. Yeah. So it's going to be fun. Uh, after that, on May 1st, we've got our Mercury Cemetery it's a service project to clean up and get the Merker Cemetery looking good. If there's been some damage and some vandalism that's done there. And uh, an off-roading group called Boar Back Country uh, Off-Road Adventure Rally is helping with us. And they've contributed a, a bunch of money to help uh, fix the place up. So we're grateful for them and we're grateful for the support. Um, you can get tickets for that um, and they're free. But if you want to go out to advancedparanormal.com and click on the, the tickets there. That's just help us get an idea how many people are coming so we can kind of staff and figure out what we're going to do. But come and make it to the service project and we'll get that we'll get that going. So we're excited about that. We've been really busy uh, in addition to the YouTube stuff that we're doing. We've got a new Instagram page and we got a new TikTok page. They're both in, under advanced.paranormal. Go out and look at those and like and subscribe to those. Again, go out on if you haven't done also done so already. Go to the YouTube, go to our YouTube channel, and like and subscribe. It's if you just go out and search for Supernatural Hour podcast, it'll come up, and then you can subscribe to our Advanced Paranormal channel. So we'd appreciate that. We're trying to get to a hundred subscribers so that we can get the name fixed up, so it's not some computer generated hocus pocus that you can't read. Excellent. Thank you. I uh, sent somebody there the other day, and I got the. We love the little icon with the ghost with the headphones. So Isn't that awesome? It's super cute. So look for that when you're trying to find our channel. Yep. All right. So residentials. We have some residentials coming up in Salt Lake County this upcoming week. 
However, we went back to Salt Lake County and we did a revisit in Orem. Yep, so the one in Orem, you weren't able to go to that night. And it's one that we went to about, oh, what, a year and a half ago? And if, if you've listened to the podcast, you might remember us talking about this. It was a young couple had a, a small child and there was a spirit that was kind of hanging out by their sliding glass door and we were able to cross it. We weren't there for very long. There was a couple of circumstances we couldn't stay, but it's been about a year and a half and the, the dad called us back again and said that his brother's fiance was hearing voices. And so after going back, we discovered that there were a couple spirits there. One of them was a young man who had committed suicide, and he was just trying to get someone's attention to get crossed over. And so we crossed him over, and really the only activity that this family said that they were having was this fiancé of a brother was hearing the voices. No one else was really experiencing anything. And so over the course of the investigation, because we thought, okay, you know, we've, we've determined this spirit that's talking to the fiance now, let's see if there's anything else while we're here. And there was a very, very small portal under the two-year-old's crib. And so it wasn't a negative portal, it was a positive portal. But we thought, mm, you know, we don't need spirits coming in and out through this portal right under baby's crib. So we closed that and... It was, it was a fairly quick in and out. We didn't spend a lot of time there. We did get some pictures. and It was kind of nice to be able to show them that orb that was coming out. Yeah, they thought that was pretty cool. Was that in the baby's bedroom where you got that photo? Yes. Yes, we weren't getting any picture activity at all anywhere else in the, in the apartment, just in the baby's room. But that's where the portal was, so it made sense. Yeah, and you... You could see a number of the, the orbs and the things moving through your phone um, in in real time, but getting clicking pictures and taking snapshots, it's sometimes harder to pick the ones up. Yeah, if you have us come over and do a residential at your home, you know, you'll see me take pictures, and I'll take 50, 60, 70 pictures, you know, boom, 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 boom. And of those, I'll maybe get four or five that have anything in it. And you can see them. What we need to start doing is having someone record it behind my back. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, your phone does amazing. But maybe with the video. I've been taking a few little videos and getting a little bit more out of that with my phone. Awesome. So as far as residentials, we had a couple that canceled because of some various things that happened. But we do have, by our next podcast, we should have two or three. So that will be fun. Looking forward to it. We ready to get to our main topic today? All right. We'll get on to the main topic. So the topic we've chosen to speak about today is sleep paralysis. Uh, how familiar are how familiar are you guys with sleep paralysis? So I have heard about it a bunch of times, and when people call us for residentials, probably oh, I don't know, roughly thirty percent of the time, someone always says something about sleep paralysis. It seems to be pretty common with a lot of the residential investigations. I mean, mm-hmm. not like all of the time, but like you said, maybe 30% or 20% of the time. But the interesting thing is when I was researching it for this podcast, it was really hard to find much paranormal. It's mostly medical. Right. Well, sleep paralysis in and of itself is a medical condition, but a lot of people will either confuse it with a paranormal event 
or misinterpreted. Uh, the basis, what people consider sleep paralysis, is you have a period of time where you have consciousness, but you're not able to move. And these happen either right before falling fully asleep or while trying to wake up. And they can be terrifying. It's, you know, you'll hear these stories. A lot of times people will associate these events with having some entity present in the room. Something dark. Something so it's something dark. that they that they perceive at the same time? or Right. So you'll hear this a lot with alien abduction stories, for example. People will say, oh, I was in my room and I couldn't move. And I could tell there were people being standing in the room watching over me. They're leaning over, you know, in the corner of the room and I couldn't get a good view of them. And that's a very common finding in cases of sleep paralysis, that there's something present in the room and it incites a lot of fear. Um, it doesn't always have to be aliens, but I think, call me a skeptic. It could be Slender Man. <laughs> could be Slender Man. Call me a skeptic. Uh, but I would say, you know, when people have these abduction stories where they're paralyzed, or other times they'll have a story about a demon or a devil that's sitting on their chest and making it so they can't breathe well, kind of your stories of the succubus, incubus kind of stories. A lot of these have been attributed to sleep paralysis. And how would we know the difference, Doc? That's a good question. That's the question that came <laughs> into my mind as I was reading into this, is how would we know the difference? I guess the question is, is there a difference? So here's my little thought process. As I was researching and I'm reading medical, 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 I thought, you know, I don't doubt that it's medical at all. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I have zero doubt that there is a medical explanation for, I would even say most sleep paralysis cases. That being said, I personally believe that a small percentage of sleep paralysis cases could be strictly paranormal. It's, it's possible. I, I think that there's, um, I think there's a happy medium. Say, I mean, we could argue, and I kept trying to get Castle. Castle, if you're listening, I'm calling you out. <laughs> Big sisters can do that. I kept trying to get him to do a podcast on, is it um, possession or is it mental illness? Ooh. But guess who gets to pick the podcast topics now? Me. So at some point we'll talk about that. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of a chicken and egg thing, you know. Right. And even when you do residentials, that's one of the questions that you sometimes ask is, is anybody on a medication that could be hallucinogenic? And so, you know, I think there's a case for both. Mm -hmm. And I think there could be a case for both in sleep paralysis as well. So, you know, I don't want listeners going, oh, no, I was really, you know, abducted by aliens. Maybe right. they were. But I, I, I tend to lean towards, and I don't even want to throw out a percentage. I right. do think that the biggest percentage is probably medical. I think this, uh, I think sleep paralysis is more common than people realize. Uh, you know, what happens is as your body's moving into deeper stages of sleep, you become more relaxed. Uh, and I was kind of joking here with um, Silent Dawn. <laughs> AKA Chad. Uh, about how terrifying it would be if we could actually move during our dreams. I mean, I don't think And why is that? Because we would kill ourselves. <laughs> I mean, if you, if you were, if you were able to actively move and act out your dreams in their entirety while you were unconscious, you'd have no perception of reality and you'd end up falling down the stairs and breaking your neck. And so your body naturally as a way to try to protect you, relaxes your muscles to the point that you can't move them. 
and then allows that's part of the NREM sleep. The non-rapid eye movement sleep is this descent into rapid eye movement REM sleep, which is where the dream state occurs. So what about the when you're in the dream state and then all of a sudden you do that? And <laughs> you, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, you feel like you're falling off of something. Well, yeah, but then you move. I mean, you... you yeah, you, you snap right, you out, snap of it right really out of quickly. it and you're like... And, and for the most part, there's not a lot of lag time between this relaxation into REM, either going into or coming out of. Uh, the times where it becomes problematic is when we have these cases of sleep paralysis. And I would say most classically they happen when people are trying to wake up. Uh, but they can't happen while people are falling asleep. But you have a there's a gap, basically, between where your dreaming is and where your full relaxation is. So you maintain a level of consciousness. And I think what ends up happening is you're trying to make sense of what's going on and you're freaked out. And so obviously there's still some components of that dream state where you feel something ominous or dark or heavy that's in the room because it's not a normal feeling to not be able to move and sometimes feel like you're being choked, not be able to dr to clear your secretions or swallow or any of these things. See that? I've never had the sleep paralysis where I feel like I'm awake and, you know, a demon or an alien standing over me. But I, I do have this thing that you just kind of mentioned is maybe once or twice a month, I will just right before I wake up in my, I don't, don't even want to say a dream, but it's like something in my brain says, if you swallow something really bad is going to happen. That's why fight it's swallowing. The, it's the spider. <laughs> fight, don't even say Yeah, the, the, spiders, <laughs> the spiders we all eat every year. It's one of those just tickling the throat a little bit. And so then I wake up, and when I wake up, I'm like panicked. I'm like, I swallowed. I swallowed. Am I going to die? And don't make that journey. I can see it. I can see it. Don't even go there. Okay, but I, nothing, do, I wake up, and I'm just in here. this panic of, I just have to throw it out there because... <laughs> where it can go and so that would be my sleep paralysis it's just this in my dream if i swallow like acid's gonna drip down to my toes or something i don't know so interesting and there's probably a component of that that transitioning from kind of dream to reality where there's a sense of danger right you have that sense of danger it may not be that you can't move your entire body but it's like oh don't clear your throat don't do it um, but see, for me, I never thought, oh my gosh, it was a demon. And now, and I'm not calling out anybody that does, because I do believe that a negative entity could cause this as well. So do not send hate mail to me. Right. From a, uh, from a medical perspective, a lot of people don't experience this, but there are factors that do play into whether you're more likely to have an episode of sleep paralysis. If you have poor sleep hygiene, meaning we're, we're having an episode of sleep paralysis right now making you sleepy no it's an episode oh this whole app we are we are hosting an episode on sleep paralysis dad oh, joke thank wow. you that was, a that was a groaner oh <laughs> none of us even got it oh. you need to stay silent the, the audience will get it <laughs> so the factors that come into play are you know lack of good sleep if you don't have good quality sleep um, sleep hygiene is important, going to sleep around the same time, uh, insomnia, if you've been up for too long. You what have, about sleep medication? They can actually kind of help break through this. Oh, okay. Uh, you know, they can help you get to that level of sleep more quickly. In fact, they'll prescribe sleep medication or antidepressants sometimes if people have 
severe sleep paralysis, a lot of sleep paralysis episodes. Now, see, I tend to have insomnia about once a month. You can read into that what you will, because you're probably right. And, you know, for about three or four days. And I've noticed that even if I'm not sick, if I take NyQuil, boom, I can just knock me right out. There you go. So, yeah, they may be actually more protective, I guess, against getting sleep paralysis. Um, people who, they do mention that people who have things like narcolepsy or sleep apnea are also at higher risk just because they don't get good quality sleep. And so their body gets confused with this transition. Interesting. So my question, and I realize that there's probably a thousand different factors. This is not medical advice to be your doctor, but let's just say someone came into the emergency room and complained of sleep paralysis. Can, I mean, let's just assume that there's nothing else wrong with them. In general, what are some things you might do? Reassurance. Can you code them like you code with the evil eye? Uh, you can. Mal de ojo. I'm pretty sure sleep paralysis is in there. I've had a case of sleep paralysis come into the emergency department as well. That was not an EVP. That was phone dropage. That was, that was my phone breaking. Uh, <laughs> but, yo, know, it has happened. I've had a patient that's come in and said... Oh my gosh, the weirdest thing happened. I woke up and I couldn't move and I was scared, but I couldn't tell anybody. You know, and I had to say, oh yeah, yeah, yeah sleep paralysis. So uh, you got the demons. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's either sleep paralysis <laughs> or a demon sitting on your chest or an alien abduction. Take your pick. Uh, <laughs> now, and, and for me, it was actually pretty easy to give them that reassurance because I have personally had an episode of sleep paralysis. Um... It's weird. It is creepy. So there's a little list um, that I ran across that said, check with your doctor if you have these concerns. Do you feel anxious about your symptoms? Because a lot of times, like you said, just the reassurance that mm -hmm. everything's okay. Yep. Um, if your symptoms leave you really tired during the day, because that could be you know, a sleep problem. You might ha even have, um, what's what I want? What, what is it when you need a sleep apnea? Sleep apnea. Yes, I think we already talked about that. Or if your symptoms keep you up during the night, because lack of sleep can be attributed to a lot of things, right. I would assume. And it will increase your risk of having episodes of sleep paralysis as well. Uh, absolutely. So, you know, overwhelmingly, these things, they happen, they resolve. Like I said, I've had it happen to me one time in my life. Um, I can tell you a little bit about my How story. How old were you? I was 17 or 18. Okay. And I was laying in my bed and I woke up and realized I couldn't move, you know, and I was, my, I could feel that my breathing was, was a little, I don't say restricted, but just hard to breathe. And that's because your sleep patterns, you don't breathe a whole lot. You breathe pretty slowly when you're sleeping, but when you're conscious, Shallow and yeah, you feel like you need to breathe more. And so you're conscious and you're going, let's pull in more air and you can't. And it does. It's a very scary feeling because you feel like you're... You know, you're suffocating, you can't get enough air. And then you lay there and you can't breathe more, you can't move. But I distinctly remember with my episode that I felt like there was something just standing right next to me, just outside of you. And I could feel this heaviness, right? And like a growling. It was almost like it was a werewolf or something. So some people get aliens, some people get demons sitting on their chest. You got a werewolf. Mine's a werewolf that's just sitting right off to the left side of my face. And I can't look at it, but I can hear it. And I know it's there. And so I sat there for a few minutes and I got a little panicky. 
and you're sitting there in your mind going, move your head, move your arms, and nothing's moving. And it is a weird, weird sensation. And you literally sat there for a few minutes. It wasn't yeah. a few seconds. It was, ah, it felt like forever. It was uh -huh. probably a couple of minutes. Um, okay. But I remember finally at some point when I was like kind of like yelling at myself to move, I was able to turn my head to the left just to see what was there. And I got this big, loud growling sound in my ear. And then suddenly, boom. I could move everything, woke up, sat up, breathing heavy, going, holy crap, what just happened to me? And, you know, I, I could easily see how somebody could see could perceive that as a paranormal incident, that there was a dark entity or spirit in the room that was making them paralyzed, right? Yeah. Uh, I had one of those, what the hell just happened to me moments and started doing some research and I thought, okay, this is probably just an episode of sleep paralysis. So you, you did mention that with sleep paralysis, it's your body's attempt to kind of keep you from hurting yourself. Right. But there's the inverse of sleep paralysis, and that's sleepwalking. Right. This is where people are up and moving while they are asleep, or at least maybe not in the deepest parts of sleep, but so, still sleeping. They have no recollection of what they're doing. Yeah, afterwards. And, and that's a whole kind of the inverse of sleep paralysis, right. I would think, of you know, up wandering around, doing things but not without really any there. consciousness. Mm -hmm. And yet doing things relatively safely, like going up and down stairs. And right. So they're not in the deepest stages of sleep. They're not in REM sleep necessarily, but they are in a deeper level of sleep. So they don't have awareness, but their body is perceptive to their environment. It's kind of like when I'm driving sometimes and I get there and it's like, how did I get here? Yeah, basically like hypnosis. And that's terrifying, <laughs> just so you know. If you are on TikTok, I haven't followed her, but she pops up on my feed every once in a while. There's the lady that sleepwalks. Klaus is shaking his head. He knows what I'm talking about. It's this lady, she sleepwalks. And she does it so much that she's put cameras around her house to film herself. And she'll kind of go through and, and narrate it for you, you know, by putting words. And, you know, she does things like she'll hide behind. And I, the way she narrates it, you know, being awake, you can tell that she kind of remembers what was going on. Because she'll say, right now I'm hiding in a, you know, in a forest. And she's, you know, hiding behind a tree. And she does the funniest things that I need to follow her because she's kind of hilarious. I don't know her name. Does so she lock married. herself in her home so she doesn't get out? She's married or, or has a partner of some sort because he's in there yeah. as well. Make sure he doesn't, she doesn't do something. Yeah, but it, it's funny. I'll have to look for her name. But on, probably, on I mean, TikTok. if you go to TikTok and just search for Sleepwalker, it'll probably come right up. A blog, maybe. And while you're out there at the TikTok, get our TikTok. Hey, shameless plug. Yep. Advanced Paranormal, right? Or is it Advanced Dot Paranormal? Advanced Dot Paranormal. One of the two. Okay. So one of the things that, um, if you if you think you're having sleep paralysis or you, you are having sleep paralysis, you know, you'll want to take care of the medical problems if there are any medical problems. And so one of the things that I saw several times was keep a journal, you know, like a dream journal, but keep a sleep paralysis journal. Because when you go to the doctor, it helps doctors to know everything. You know, if you go in with a whole bunch of, I don't know, they're like, oh, right? Right, you can only assume, right, at that point. So, you know, not only maybe keep a little journal of when it happens, you know, whatever you think is important. What did you eat the night before? When did you go to sleep? Just journal everything. And then know your medical history, if possible. And I realize that sometimes if you're adopted or, or whatever, that could be a little difficult. But if you know it, 
you know, be prepared to answer that too, because the more information a doc has, the better they can diagnose and treat whatever the symptom might be. Well, like I said, this isn't an uncommon thing, but it shouldn't be a frequently occurring thing, right? Like we see people who have cases of this, but if this is something that's happening on a regular basis, we need to determine if there's an underlying cause. Do you exactly. have sleep apnea? Do you have narcolepsy? And those are things that we can actually test and quantify and, you know, and effectively treat, which may fix the problem. Uh, you, you know, it's easy to, like I said, I've had it happen one time. I didn't go seek out, you know, a doctor to say, hey, what happened? But if it was something that was happening to me every week, yeah, I'd probably go get looked at, <laughs> make sure yeah. there's, everything's okay. Let's say you take care of the medical thing first. And it just does not seem to be helping. And you've gone to the doctor, you've journaled your sleep apnea, you know, you've, you've given the proper medical history to the best of your knowledge, and you're still having it. Then maybe you give us a call to let's come see if it is something paranormal, because I, I won't rule that completely out. I was going to say, if you feel like you've been probed, maybe give <laughs> wow. us a call. <laughs> place to take it. I'm just saying, or maybe if you've got scratches on your body, those are not normal so yeah, things. I mean, or probably some bruising. Yeah, that's not normal with sleep paralysis, just saying. So I've got some stories of some nighttime visitors, and you can put it in the medical aspect, you can put it in the paranormal aspect. Pepsi. <laughs> so, but here's some stories. And if you read, if you remember Romeo and Juliet, there's a little nighttime sleep paralysis visitor in Shakespeare. But we're not going to go there. So a witch. Witches are very common. And it happens worldwide. It's not just, you know, a certain area. They get, we get witch stories from the United States, Brazil, Newfoundland, Germany, Scandinavia. And is this in conjunction? Which stories in conjunction with sleep paralysis? Yeah. Okay. Just you know, when you're you know, Doc sees a werewolf, some people see witches, and these generally involve a witch. Um, sometimes they refer to them a hag or some woman of some sort who sits on the sleeper's chest that induces terrifying dreams and causes the inability to breathe or move. And during the European and American witch trials, you know, in the 17th century. Um, this is one of the things that when they were trying witches, they would accuse them of, of keeping people from sleeping and shape-shifting into a cat. So that's where we get some of the, the cat folklore. It's from these, these witches that sit on people's chests and then they transfigure so that you can't. Yeah, it's a very classic story, is something sitting on the chest. because, And I think from a sleep paralysis standpoint, it's a matter of you can't breathe and your brain's trying to make sense of why and you're still kind of in that dream phase. And so it's like, oh, there's something terrifying sitting on my chest, making it difficult for me to breathe. I had that happen once. And it was the cat sitting on it? my chest. No. Did it turn into a witch? <laughs> no. Was it? it was just a cat. It was the cat. It's like, Leo, get off now. <laughs> Our cat? Our cat. Trying to murder you. <laughs> It's not okay. the cat. <laughs> um, so another very common one, oddly enough, is a ghost. Go figure. Um, for about 2,000 years in a lot of Asian countries, sleep paralysis was attributed to ghosts laying on top of you. And um, in some legends, the ghosts are recently deceased locals or relatives. And in others, it's like some specific ghost that's maybe not necessarily related. It's just always there. 
So an example is in Thailand, it's believed that sleep paralysis is caused by a widow ghost known as Phi Am, who sleeps on the chest of, of these sleep paralysis victims. And to defend against her, there would be men that would put lipstick on before going to bed because they thought if we wear lipstick, this female ghost isn't going to come mess with us. Because you're a guy with lipstick on? That's what it says. Ghosts, I did not make this up. The ghost doesn't like the lady boys, is what we're saying. Okay. No, because they'll come in and go, oh, this is a woman, we'll leave them alone. Oh. So if you go to Thailand and the man's wearing the lipstick, I mean, in these days and ages, you know, who knows, but. They will probably proposition you. Probably trying to, <laughs> to keep a sleep paralysis. <laughs> or they'll proposition you. <laughs> or they're going through a transition, just don't ask. That's right. Your business. That's right. Right. Mind your own. So, a demon. <laughs> Anybody surprised by, by demons? No, that's what I ran into. So, this is the most commonly occurring in Middle East or African countries. And it's attributed to, again, the demons um, crouching on the chest in order to suffocate them because they're evil and they're, they're trying to kill you. And this dated back even to ancient Arabian mythology, and they believed that it was winged demons would pounce on the chest of the sleepers who had not been praying because they pray five times a day. And so, you know, hey, you only prayed three times today, going to suffocate you in your sleep. I'm going to wow. trampoline your chest. It's Let's pretty, do it. Pretty hardcore. <laughs> so, um, and this was only about 20 years ago. There was actually some mass hysteria along the coast of East. East Africa about a winged, a bat-winged humanoid. So I always just go right to Wizard of Oz. You know, the, the, winged the flying monkeys. monkeys. Yeah, so a bat-winged bat humanoid. That's hard to say. And its name was Popobawa. That's hard to say, too. Not as hard as bat-winged humanoids. <laughs> it's apparently. not in East Africa. I didn't stumble over <laughs> Popobawa. Um, and he assaults and crushes the chest of sleeping victims until they pass out. But this was only 20 years ago. And there's like Mass hysteria. Um, vampires are very common in sleep paralysis. We live really close to Templars. So there's the helicopters again. Um, I can hear them this time. <laughs> we like to play this game of what kind of helicopters are there. Oh. You go outside and stare. Okay, but back to vampires. Are we sure they're not the NSA helicopters? Oh, right. Awesome. Abduction. They live right next door to each other. I know. We live <laughs> next door to the NSA, too. <laughs> so, um, back to vampires. So, vampires, of course, are undead individuals, right, who not only um, will cause the sleep paralysis, but then they suck your blood. Yeah. This is most common, shockingly enough, in southeastern Europe and was really, really big in the 18th century when vampires were really, really Popular? Yes. Okay. Yes. And um, they're not the sparkly vampires that we think of today, thanks to Twilight. They're not Edward. Nope. Um, the these were always sucking fiends. I know. No sparkly designer clothes. These were usually bloated and ruddy. Oh. Wait, what? That's lovely. Ruddy. The vampires were bloated and ruddy. Bloated and ruddy. That is not what I was picturing when no. I was thinking vampire. So, not even, been... not even a Bram Stoker. Oh, kind uh, of. Or even the Ben Helsing girls? No. no. Not, not well, them either? They said bloated and ruddy. <laughs> bloated. I'm going to pass on this vampire. Thanks. Yeah. And <laughs> no, so, Tom yeah. no, no Tom Cruise. No Tom Cruise. Nope. So, it, 
it says that the diaries of Bram Stoker, the, the creator, um, actually his his ideas for Dracula stemmed from a sleep paralysis episode that he had. Oh. And his hallucination was a woman trying to kiss him on the neck. And so it kind of Dracula. Interesting. Yep. Okay. And then again, none of these are, are shocking the alien. A lot of people who have alien experiences. And in the 1950s, there was just an explosion of alien abduction movies, alien movies, UFO movies, you know, testimonies of, of people in North America primarily, you know, being abducted. And um, people were claiming that they were paralyzed, couldn't move, screaming with fear, not being able to do anything, kind of your standard sleep paralysis um, symptoms. And many abductees also described feeling themselves floating to the sky and bright lights and probing. See? Go on. I told really? you so. Oh, you got your probing <laughs> action. Just saying. Right. So those are kind of kind of the, the main, what, the main five? Yeah. They all have that classic overlay of... I am defenseless. I can't move. Yeah. There is something that may have malintent, and it's either attacking me or, you know, at least creating fear. And, and there seems like different levels. Like, there's kind of the level where there's something just out of sight or something that you're not able to see or move. Right. Kind of like your experience with the werewolf. Right. Um or, but the others seem very like, involved where there's yeah. something happening right to them and they're seeing it as they're you know, right. in the middle of, of doing it and they're, you know, they're, they're being abducted by it's, aliens yeah, or something that's, that's going on visually within them. Right. And where I think this is a, you know, where this is a transition from kind of non-REM to REM sleep, I think some of that may depend on, be dependent on how close you are to actual REM, whether it's more dreamlike or whether it's more based in reality with some strange overlays you know if if you're on one end of that spectrum when the when the consciousness occurs you know maybe you'll be more apt to have a vivid dream and a more realistic feeling dream i guess for you. i mean even mine felt pretty real but i could tell i was in my bedroom and i could tell you know everything looked the same i could just feel that presence on the side and i don't know if that was just my mind trying to explain why I wasn't able to move but for me it wasn't you know it wasn't super descript like I said I couldn't even see it until I basically turned my head and heard a big sound and woke up all the way uh, but maybe these people that are being lifted in the air or transported into spaceships or whatever we're gonna, get, we're gonna get so much hate now so I'm telling everyone they all got <laughs> sleep paralysis it's gonna be great um, maybe they're just closer to REM sleep like I said, I, I do believe a small percentage could be paranormal. So if you believe yours is paranormal, we're not we're not calling you them. So I did run across some old remedies for sleep paralysis. Ooh, so this we, will be interesting. We've I'm, already heard I'm the excited. modern ones. <laughs> you so excited? Yeah, maybe maybe you can use some. The of remedies these. I've got are a CPAP if you got sleep apnea. Uh, sleep hygiene, go to bed at the same time, take your medicines for narcolepsy, and get on an antidepressant if you're dealing with that. Electroshock therapy? Yeah, yeah, no electroshock therapy. Oh. But I'm excited to hear about these, like, 
folk medicine. Oh, you're going to like this. Oh, yeah. Let's so back in the day, they used to, and we've talked about incubus and succubus before, and I think a long time ago we did an episode where we at least touched on those, mm-hmm. and that's something we will get into more in depth at some point, because it's on my list of stuff to, to talk about. But there was, um, you know, back in the old days, they would refer to these more as the incubus and the succubus, and they said that the cures, the cures, and I'm using my air quotations. We can see that. Or they can't <laughs> imagine my air quotes. So they said that some of these remedies were more frightening than the sleep paralysis themselves. So there was a Byzantine physician named Paulus Aginata. I have no idea how that is pronounced. So if you're familiar with that language, sorry. Um, and this is in the 7th century. And he had seven books on the history of medicine in the 7th century. So, boy, he has no idea what's in store, does he? Um, so in one of these books, he explains that the most common way to treat sleep paralysis, and I, this is in quotes, bleeding, drastic purgatives, and friction of the extremities. All right. So I'm assuming this has to do with balancing those humors. Probably. And he said that he would place the focus on the head as the source of the problem, suggesting that if the above treatment did not work, the cupping and scarification of the throat, a restricted diet, and shaving of the head would cure this issue. Yeah, that makes sense. Cure it for me because I wouldn't report it again. <laughs> yeah, weird. After, after initial treatment, no one ever complains of sleep paralysis. It They're cured. <laughs> Either that or you're going to start having sleep paralysis episodes about this guy coming and slitting your throat. Jeez. Yeah, yeah. Your, your, your werewolf just changes to the doctor's yeah. face. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Weird that everyone was cured after this. So we're going to fast forward <laughs> to the 10th century. Okay, so we've got a lot of. Got 300 years in there, right? Yeah, 300 years of of improvements. And it was a Persian polymath, and his name, again, I'm going to slaughter this, Akhawani Bukhari. And he was subscribed to the ancient theory of humorism. And he believed that nightmares were caused by vapors of phlegm ascending from the stomach to suffocate the brain during sleep. That's, That's where he thought this came from. And so his theory was obviously different than than the first fellow's, but his treatment was not a whole lot different. In 300 years, you'd think you'd come up with something a little different, but they just did bloodletting. It's like you can't sleep or you you can't wake up. Let's just take all your blood out. Right. I'm trying to figure out the phlegm thing. Like, I guess, you know, someone had sleep apnea and you could assume, oh my gosh, they're snoring real bad. Maybe there's phlegm back in there. I don't know. Suffocated with the pill. Almost made it sound like there's <laughs> consciousness. The phlegm is trying to well, suffocate the brain. What are they doing the with the blood? Like a dialysis? Like are they filtering the blood out and then putting I it doubt Oh, no, no. It's I ain't going back in. There's, there's no, no filtering. we're just draining it out it's, and then just... It's what they did with George Washington. Right before it, death. It, and yeah, just, don't they just like switch open and put it in a pan, baby. Or a bowl or something? Yep. <laughs> your face is great and you'll yeah. feel so much better yeah. when you lose consciousness from blood loss yeah i, I feel better already <laughs> enough blood loss will just pass out and, yeah. get a good sleep. and you'll go straight to sleep no <laughs> sleep paralysis guys just unconsciousness because you have no blood flow to your brain exactly. you won't be waking up <laughs> all awesome. right so let's move to what they refer to as the christian era so imagine the age of enlightenment mm. when uh 
the paranormal kind of is getting very, very popular. And so they, at this time, thought everything was demonic. Everything's demonic. It's not medical at all. And so they were treated with prayers and exorcisms. Well, we're getting better. Uh-huh. And so um, that, that's how they treated it. These weren't like bleeding prayers. Or I was going to say, yeah. Just regular just sacrifice. Wow, okay. Yep. And then um, there's a fellow named John Bond. And every time I look at this, I see James Bond. And I'm thinking James Bond didn't happen in 1753. What the heck? John Bond. Not James Bond. James Bond's grandfather. Um, Probably yes. a few grades in there. I don't know. Right. Grandpa. So this one's the creepiest to in my opinion, to be very honest with you. So he still called it an incubus or the the demons. He still kind of had that um, paranormal thought going on. So an incubus is male and a succubus is female. Is that correct? Correct. Should we spend? Correct. We all nodded. Yes. 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 All of you can hear us (laughs) nod. Um, What he would do is he would poke the afflicted person with a pin or shake them to a wakeful state which is probably the scariest thing you could do to someone temporary immobilized in a hallucinatory state, <laughs> other than maybe bloodletting. But, you know. They're already terrified and can't move, so you go in there and just shake them a bunch. <laughs> Let's just bring your nightmare to life. <laughs> you're, you're, you're imagining vampires? Let's just poke you in the neck with a pen a few times. Poke them with a pen. Let's finish out this whole oh, dream sequence. Still not moving yet, huh? Just keep going. <laughs> It's gonna, it's gonna break. Give it time. <laughs> Go. yep. yep, that was that was his story. So yeah. Just the, sh- it's a shake awake system. Just. Go, wake just, up. Just go at it. So, you know, I think I would much rather have a doctor say, you know what, have you tried going to bed every night at the same time? <laughs> yeah, let's start with that. Wow. Yeah. So I'm really glad I didn't live back then when it comes to medicine because they did creepy stuff. We were making pretty good progress getting into the whole, you know, say prayers kind of thing. And then we took a little bag there. But. Yeah, but okay. Just going to jab you with a pen. And now it's like, meh. Now, no didn't you say you had some stories? I do. I have some stories. You're going to make me get my magic glasses on. I've got my magic glasses. I know. Well, so I can see. They just look like regular reading glasses to me. I've been trying to do that, like the whole librarian look, looking over. <laughs> I'm not sexy. really good This is at my that. sexy librarian look. It's not my granny look. There you go. I, they used to call me Granny Cinnamon. I hated that. Oh. Why did you even so, bring it back up? Because I've got my nose on, I've got my glasses on. See, today would warrant it. Today would warrant being called Granny Cinnamon. They're not here. <laughs> we have Reddit user Junior756, and he says he needs some help to see if this is sleep paralysis. And this is kind of where we talked about before. Because he says, One night I was getting ready to go to bed, and I was closing my eyes and ready to sleep. And one minute later, I heard footsteps coming closer to me, and I felt like someone was on me and felt like they were behind me watching me sleep, but I was wide awake, but eyes closed, and I could move still, but I didn't want to because I was afraid, and my heart was racing racing and beating fast, so I just opened my eyes and moved and turned my light on quick and didn't feel scared no more, but every time I wanted to close my eyes to go to sleep again, I felt afraid to sleep again because of the sleep paralysis. So that was kind of where we kind of talked about, like he wasn't even asleep yet, he was just kind of, thinking about it so i've got your answer already okay i'm look go for it 
this is not sleep paralysis by definition because he could still move, right? Right. Okay. Paralysis would imply you were paralyzed. Right. And what he's having is what's called a hypnagogic hallucination. Okay. So a hypnagogic hallucination is a hallucination you have just prior to falling asleep. And so... So would that include, you know, when you're just falling asleep and then it feels like your bed just dropped about 10 feet? Yeah, that shaking awake thing. I'm not sure if that's considered a hallucination. It's a really odd sensation of falling. I guess that would be hallucination in a sense because you have a... A perception that's not real, right? Because I've had that happen probably a dozen times in my life. So it's, that's yeah. probably a type of hypnagogic. Hypnopompic is when you're waking up. Hallucination. Uh, I'm pretty sure I've got this correct. I'll double check. Well, but, uh, I have the definition because oh. there was some some doc that you get sent me out this little list. Send hate mail to doc. That's yeah. right. Um, <laughs> hypnagogic or hip, let's see, visual. Okay. Hypnagogic or... Let's see, the occur of the transition from wakefulness to, to sleep, sleep is hypnagogic. It's yep. hypnagogic. So, and this is a wakefulness is hypnopompic. This is a hypnagogic hallucination that this person is having. And so, the other one that I ran across while there were different things that we can confuse as sleep paralysis was delirium. Mm -hmm. So, delirium is an abrupt change in the brain that causes mental confusion and emotional disruption. It makes it difficult to think, remember, sleep, pay attention, and more. You might experience delirium during alcohol withdrawal or after surgery or with dementia. So when I read that one, that one hit home for me because I just a few weeks ago had a colonoscopy. And when I went in for my colonoscopy, when they were getting ready to knock me out, the nurse goes, oh, a lot of people really enjoy this. And this is like a medication vacation and you're going to get a really good rest and really enjoy it. Like, good for you. And I'm okay, that sounds great. So I'm getting ready to go to sleep and the anesthesiologist is there and his name is Ben. And I'm like, thanks, Ben. I can't wait for this vacation. Well, when I woke up, I woke up crying harder than I've ever cried. Like my dad had just died type of a thing. And they could not console me for hours. I made them reach underneath my bed and grab my phone so I could FaceTime my son because I didn't trust them. I didn't know who they were. I didn't know what I was doing there. And I certainly didn't just go on a medication vacation. Well, it sounds like a terrible vacation. <laughs> it was a terrible vacation. And I kept asking my nurse, well, what did you do to me that I'm remembering this that you don't want me to remember? So when I grabbed my phone and I FaceTimed my son, they're like, oh, we're FaceTiming. And I'm like, oh, yeah, because he needs to see what's going on around here. Like, This is crazy. It is. This is crazy. And I don't know if I should be trusting you. So when I read that, I was like, I, I get it. And I wish somebody would have actually explained that to me because when I was asking the nurse what happened, he had no freaking idea. Yeah, so delirium is an interesting thing. Delirium is always based in some type of medical or physiologic uh, event, right? Whether that's infection or whether that's medication or whether that's... It's something that has a medical root to it. In fact, this happens a lot in the emergency department when I work. I'll have patients that come in that have psychosis, for example. And one of my jobs as a medical physician, as a medical doctor, is to rule out delirium as a cause. Because if they have delirium, a psychologist isn't going to be able to help that, right? If this person is acting crazy because they have a terrible infection, or they have a, you know, encephalitis, an infection that's affecting their brain or something like that, I, I have to be certain that their condition is rooted in psychosis. It's rooted in a psychogenic 
the behavioral health component as opposed to a medically derived problem. Right. And medications, same thing. They can make people act funny. Uh, I use a medicine called ketamine quite a bit for sedations when we're setting bones and people who have fractures. Yeah. And it's an interesting thing. Kids, kids do really well with it. Usually they'll have the, it's, this medicine is an amnestic. It causes amnesia. It's also hallucinogenic. People use it on the street under the name Special K. I had an old grandma say, don't give me Special K. And I laughed so hard <laughs> in the emergency department. <laughs> and I thought, how did she know this stuff was called Special K? Uh, she said, don't give me that Special K. Um, but what it does is it creates amnesia. It's a pain medicine, but it also creates hallucinations. And it's dose dependent. Depending on how much you're given can actually affect the type of hallucinations that you that you have. Uh, in kids, like I said, most of the time they have very pleasant hallucinations. It's like rainbows and unicorns and cotton candy. And they're usually like when they're coming out of it, they're smiling and laughing and blowing kisses. Um, I've had a couple of patients. I've had to use it on adults, which I don't love to do, but sometimes it's the best medicine. Uh, I had a guy come out screaming that he was in a trapezoid. Oh. And I'm not quite sure how you end up in a two-dimensional object, but he was, and he just sat there screaming, I'm in a trapezoid, I'm in a trapezoid. And he did not love the effect of the medication, obviously, because he remembered coming out of it. Uh, I've had people tell, you know, alien abduction stories while they were on ketamine was another thing that I've seen people express. Uh, but this is all drug delirium is what this is, uh, or drug psychosis if you take long-term stuff like amphetamines. We get people that will sometimes come in that are not in touch with reality, and they're experiencing drug psychosis, which is also, you know, a big differentiator for us is a, a psychiatrist isn't going to help somebody who's having psychosis related to drug use. The answer to that is some stop using drugs, right? Um, but your experience sounds a lot like you had a, a bad trip. I guess I would say. That's exactly what the nurse told me verbatim. You just had a bad trip. Yeah, you got into some special K or something, yeah. and you had a bad trip. What that's did... hilarious. You use those words. Is that's uh, what you... And I, mean, I was like, well, I need to understand then. What was this bad trip? I'm an ER doc. I use all sorts of words. That's hilarious. Um, especially medical terms like wonky. I'll use wonky sometimes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. That was on page one of the... That's right. Now, when I started my residency, we learned to say wonky. <laughs> um, I use that word sometimes. Yeah. Or goopy. Or gunk. Yeah, I say all sorts of things. People are like, what? This guy's a doctor? Sure I am. Sure <laughs> and there's a code for that. There's, a, right. there's the certificate right. on the wall. <laughs> go ahead and diagnose you with goopy eye, and we'll call it a day. Love <laughs> <laughs> uh, it. I'm going to rattle around in the junk drawer and see what I can find. We could rattle our papers. That would give you a rattling in the junk drawer. We were instructed not to do that. I know. <laughs> I was trying to justify. <laughs> we were a little paper around before. Okay. So it's been a while since we've talked about a stone. So I'm going to talk about a stone. This one's called Ametrine. It actually has a couple different names that people might not buy. It's also known as Tristine or Bolivianite. And it's, it's a very common stone, mostly found in Bolivia. Now you can lab create this quite easily. And if it's a lab created one, there's nothing wrong with a lab created one as long as it's made of irradiated quartz crystals. If you, you know, if you just do one with colored glass, it's not going to have the components. But um, very common and very easily recreated 
and if it's recreated correctly, it still has um, all the, the correct properties. I told my wife that same thing about her wedding ring. It doesn't matter if the diamond's lab created, right? Exactly. That's same, what the same says. here, man. <laughs> Made it through those. So, if if you're one of the, if you're a minimalist and you hate, I tend to be a minimalist and hate carrying around a whole boatload of stones because there are so many stones that do so many great things. You could literally have your own little quarry, you know, rattling around in your back pocket or your bra. Like I said I, I call mine boobrocks because that's usually where I carry them within my bra. But this this is a twofer, and it's really. A, a cool twofer. Basically, it's amethyst and citrine, so it's kind of a purple and orange together. So it's, it's actually very pretty to look at as well. I like it. But it takes a very earthy, physical fire energy stone and mixes it with a highly spiritual, intellectual energy stone, and boom, into one. I like that. So you get a twofer. It's also an excellent stone for dispelling negativity if you pair it with another pearl. Oh. If you pair it with a mother of pearl, it dispels that negativity and not in a kind of a magnet or absorbing way like a shungite might suck it up, but instead it's a clearing air. So almost more like a um, selenite. Yes, thank you. Well, I could see it more like a selenite where it kind of pushes it away as opposed to sucking it up. It has a really high energy. It balances out stress and tension and emotional blockages. Um, it can help heal the body because it, it rids it of all of those issues. Um, it really gives you a feeling of well-being. It connects the physical realm with your higher consciousness, and it can give you a lot of protection during a psychic experience. Oh. So this one would probably be a good one to carry with you on an investigation. Yeah, that's kind of a protecting stone. It can also aid mediation and helps you to focus a lot better. So if you're if you're meditating and you find your mind wandering, this would be a good one to just throw in your pocket or your bra or your, you know or hold and just kind of regain your focus while you're meditating. As far as healing, it's a very powerful cleanser, um, and it's used to get to the bottom of long-standing illnesses. It can help with depression, it can help with fatigue, headaches, stress, and any stress-related illnesses is wow. what it can help do. We should get us some of this. I know. So I'm the thing about it is anytime I read a stone or like when Beaker read a, would read a stone, I'm thinking that's exactly what I need. And if I got every stone that I needed, I would have a quarry sure. in my back pocket, but still. So probably what I would suggest is maybe pick your three or four or five biggest issues and find stones. And then I, I will rotate mine out. Sometimes I'll think, you know what, I'm doing a lot better with this. This other thing has cropped up. Rotate them through. But if you work with any chakras, you know, doing your chakra work, this one is great because it works for three. It can help your solar plexus, your third eye, and your crown. So if you're dealing with those chakras at all, this is a good one to have. Yeah, I really like this one. So, yeah, I like it a lot. Good choice. All right. And last but not least, get your Supernatural Hour swag at advancedparanormal.com. We have a lot of different items available. We've got mugs and shirts and stickers. Tapestry. And always the tapestry. Also on the shop, we do have some items for paranormal investigation. We also have some sprays. And that's going to be on our website. Advancedparanormal.com. Exactly. Yep, look for the shop tab. And Rogue is the one that makes a lot of the product that we offer for sale there. Actually, she makes all of it. I do. So if there's anything you want to see or any ideas or suggestions, just give us a shout out. 
So do tell us a little bit about the sage spray and the sage lavender spray. It's got quartz in it and what else? So tell us a little bit about that. It does have quartz in it. What I've done is I've taken some sage and I've mixed it up with some quartz and goodness, I have to think about this. There's a little bit of witch hazel in there and it's meant to just be able to take and spray so we can cleanse the area, cleanse you. Um, I know I've had a couple of times when I'm having kind of a bad day and it, it's amazing that I can just spray that stuff and it really kind of just helps. I've got some that's got lavender in it. The lavender is local. Um, we've used it on a couple of calls. We've had left it behind with um, some people that really kind of appreciated it when we were with Halloween base. Is that our little Halloween guy? So it's just, it's kind of handy. It's kind of fun. Smells good and has purpose. Yeah. And we've, we've used it in many cases instead of burning the actual sage yeah. um, because when we can do it much quicker and it doesn't have and leave the odor that the sage will leave. Right. Yeah. It's been very effective. And then we've also done that. We've got it in rollers. So we've done rollers that have lavender and sage or just sage. So you can put it right on yourself. Again, it just smells good. But it can also kind of be a little bit of a protector. But it kind of smells good. They're amazing products. Thank you. All right. All right. Well, thank you. Stay spooky, my haunted friends. I love you, Nicholas. Hey, good night. Good night. You've been listening to The Supernatural Hour at AdvancedParanormal.com. The Supernatural Hour is part of the Radio Ronin Network found at RadioRonin.com. Copyright 2021 by Advanced Paranormal Services.